This episode is sponsored by Enriched Superfoods. Enriched is my go-to store for the most powerful, most pure superfoods on the plain et. They've got all the good stuff from maca to matcha, from shilajit to powdered greens. But you know what I love the most? I love the mushrooms. Now I know what most of you are thinking, get on with the show, right? But I know what else you're thinking. You're thinking, how can I get better at strangling people? Us jiu-jitsu guys, we're all the same. We want to be better, we want to be badder. Well, being better requires two things, learning more stuff and being able to execute more stuff. And Enriched has got you covered with what I'm calling the white basement jiu-jitsu super stack. First is lion's mane mushroom to supercharge memory, focus and clarity and even better, give a neurotrophic boost literally helping you grow new jiu-jitsu brain cells. Now, a jiu-jitsu super brain is all well and good, but if you can't execute on the mat, then it don't mean jack. That's why the second half of the super stack is the legendary Cordyceps CS4 mushroom extract, scientifically proven to offer heroic levels of stamina and energy, as well as improved lung function, actually helping you breathe better while you stop other people from breathing at all. Go to enriched.co, that's E-N-R-I-C-H-D.co, and use the promo code WhiteBasementPod for a 10% discount across the whole site. Want to get more taps in more rounds and more respect from more people? Then get super stacked. Go to enriched.co and use the promo code WhiteBasementPod. Elite level Aikido practitioner, whatever. And so that's a fighting art. They, they, they train to fight, right? Against a rugby player. They don't fight. They, they play rugby. Yeah. Who's going to win the fight? I think the rugby player is probably going to beat the shit out of the person. But they don't, they don't train to fight. But rugby yeah. is more like a fight than what Aikido is. Yeah. It's physical contact. Okay. The, the, the other person's not doing what you want them to do. They're not gripping you the way you want them to grip them. There, it's a, it's almost like a, it's a grappling match with a ball. I, I would put money on you know, someone who's trained Aikido against someone who's played rugby for as long. I'd put money on the rugby player winning an actual fight. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the White Basement Podcast. My guest today is a man who needs no introduction. But I'm going to introduce him anyway. He is a leg breaker, a back taker, a bad practical joke maker, a 50-50 instigator, a catch wrestling devastator. He is the big bad boss at the Institute of Grappling and the inventor of the dick belt. The party bear, Ed Ingemels. Welcome to the podcast. That was great. That's a good introduction. How are you? Good and better now. That's the best introduction I've had so far. Yeah. I, I you know, normally I just kind of wing it. And then uh, when I said... you wrote a rap this time. Yeah. Well, when you, when you, uh, when you said, yeah, you're coming down, gosh, you said, um, have you, do, what do you know about Ed? Have you done any research? I was like, I don't know. I mean, you know, I trained with him. She's like, oh, you never do any research. So I thought I'm okay. still not going to do any research. But I'll write like a little introduction. Okay. So was do, I mean was that sort that of was uh, good. I mean, it's, it's relatively yeah relatively accurate. Yeah. But it, but but now, no, you don't train in the gear at all anymore. Uh, I do. 
Oh, you do? Yeah, I do. I so do. is is there still propaganda. dick belt at the <laughs> Institute of Grappling? Uh, yeah, and and it, it's there's other things as well. It's, it's gone further and, you know, even more inappropriate and things is that we Anything you can share or no? Uh, legally, uh, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll leave it there. <laughs> but no, it's still, it still occasionally happens. It still occasionally happens. Yeah, good. All right. So, um, so I mean, I think probably most people who are listening to this know you and know your kind of, your background. Um, but just in case, I know I've got a few people who listen who are not uh, jujitsu people and mm. hopefully there'll be a lot more people listening who are not jujitsu people as well. So just um, go go through just a real quick background of your grappling how you got into jiu-jitsu other martial arts you know get, getting up to where you are now okay um i started as any good martial arts practitioner does with wing chun because that's the most uh-huh. effective martial art known to man even though it's created by a woman um <laughs> and then yeah i wanted to get into jiu-jitsu like this has been maybe god maybe 12 13 years ago now um in fact before then but I, I, there was no one around mm. Um, I was in Lincoln, so it's right, I'm originally from Lincoln. I just kind of come back from university, and I was looking for someone to train with. There's no one there. There's no one around. There was a guy in 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 Hull, which is a good kind of like three hour round trip. So I was going for a couple of months. I was going there. Yeah. Uh, moved to Cardiff and started training properly there with Chris Reese. So did, you didn't move to train, or did you move to study? No, no, I moved to. I was doing a PhD um, yeah. at Cardiff University, so I moved there for that um, and started training with Chris Reese who has a very, very kind of successful, well-known academy now. Um, and it's kind of offshoot, which is uh, Drake. Have you heard of them? No. Okay, do you, do you know Ash Williams? Actually, mm. he was, he's, did you watch ADCC? Some of it. Okay, so he qualified for ADCC okay. for, um, yeah. in the 77 or 66? Maybe 66, however. Right. Um, but he's, he's basically, he was one of Chris's students. Right. He's kind of created this, kind of massive Welsh team basically under under Chris and okay. um I, I knew him as like a sixteen year old blue belt. Right. Um, and now he's like qualified for ADCC and stuff. So yeah. that was that was my first proper academy. Um I was training in Cardiff twice a week because there wasn't really many classes. And then I was driving most days to Swansea to train as well. Mm. Um at Chris's main academy. Um I was maybe there for two years and then moved to London. So I got my blue belt there. So did you, were you into Mill Hill when you came down to London? No, I moved to Central, well, kind of uh, West Kensington, Hammersmith area. Um, and when I moved to London, I went around a little bit and I kind of, because there was no kind of affiliate, Chris mm. Reed's affiliate at all. It was technically Gracie Baja back then. Um, Chris was on Baja, was under Braulio. Yeah. So I went around multiple different gyms, tried to find the right fit and I ended up at Rogers for about six months. Right. Because I, I knew Ollie Geddes from yeah. competition scene. So yeah. trained there for six months, didn't really like it. Um, stopped training for six months. <laughs> Completely stopped training in London. Did you go back to Wing Chun? No, I just I just worked in a bar and just did nothing. So You don't ever do like any sticky hands? Uh, G-Sound type <laughs> stuff, no. We, <laughs> we started messing about with some of that stuff recently, actually. Doing, really? Uh, tai Chi pushing hands and stuff, just like... Uh, there's a kind of a concept with the Tai Chi pushing hands that I was trying to get through to beginners a while back, but we can talk about that later. Okay. Um, but then I moved to Stevenage, which is just kind of obviously north mm. north of North London. Mm. Um, and I knew Nick um, from Rogers because yeah. he used to come down and train at Rogers in the day. Yeah. So I knew him from them. Uh, so I, I, I purposely went 
two mil hill, two train with Nick. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, he couldn't get rid of me. Yeah, how so long that, were that you there at Mill Hill? Um, it must have been 2012, I think. Until so it's been 10, 10, so years, yeah. Yeah, so I arrived as a blue belt um, and then just, yeah, carried on training with, with, with Nick through then. Um, and then, yeah, got to black belt finally. Um, taught quite a lot, competed quite a lot. And now, you're, and now you're at the Institute of Grappling. Yeah, that's what we go under now. So being as it's been, I mean, there's obviously been a huge kind of fragmentation split between everybody and everyone has their own little things and stuff. So Yeah, so so Institute of Grappling, do, do you, I mean, do you see it as a BJJ club or it's a grappling club? And what's the difference? I, Is there a difference? I... I, I so I don't, I don't, I barely use the term BJJ or Jiu-Jitsu anymore. I, I don't use the term martial arts anymore. I think it's, it, it's kind of, it, it's misunderstood nowadays, the, the term martial arts. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're kind of a sports club, uh, grappling, submission wrestling, you know, it's all, it's all the same sort of stuff, but it's like the, all the kind of grappling arts like BJJ, judo, sambo, you know, catch wrestling and stuff, they're all... They're all grappling, but they're just they, they look different because of the rule sets. And that's all it kind of is. Mm. There's a massive crossover with you know the the kind of underlying concepts and you know, things like head control, underhook, all this kind of stuff. But you 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 basically it will look a certain way because of the rule sets. Mm. So you know you put a gi on, you you, you optimize to the gi, you optimize the IBJF rule sets and various things. So I, I think you can be good at everything. Really, mm. I don't mm. think you necessarily have to specialize in one, but. Nowadays, because people are specialising, like it, it's it's harder to get to the top level, mm. being kind of mm-hmm. a you know a, a multi-discipline practitioner. Yeah, like those days are quite far behind. I think. Yeah, I mean it's, it's it is quite a new sport, right? Relatively speaking, Absolutely. grappling. I mean, it's twenty five years old in terms of an actual competitive scene. Yeah, well that that's that's the thing. It's it's the competition scene, like. People have been grappling and, 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 you know, doing these kind of martial arts stuff for, for a long time. Mm. But doing it to a rule set, I mean, all you got to do is look at judo. Yeah. And look at judo as a martial art and then look at how that's changed in the last 15 years. Mm. It doesn't look the same because they've brought in, you can't touch the leg, you can't do this, you can't do that. Yeah. So now it's it's a completely different thing. So it's, it's judo's kind of in its infancy in that sense because yeah. it's a new rule set yeah. and they have to apply to this new rule set as opposed to it being like kind of a martial art or a martial sport, whatever you want to say. Mm. So yeah, I think it can something can be around for a long time, but if, in, if, if a certain rule set or something is imposed on it, then you have to figure out how to work it mm. and it becomes mm-hmm. kind of, you know, almost you start at the beginning again in that sense. Um, yeah. And especially with things like ADCC, um, and kind of all the those kind of competitions, it's it's changed the landscape a little bit. Have, have you done ADCC? I did the trials once. I got beat in the quarterfinals on a decision to, in fact, the guy, so the last ADCC, the guy that Gordon fought in the first round, uh-huh. um, the massive Finnish guy. Yeah. Um, I, I got beat by him in, in overtime on a right. decision. So... And ADCC is no age brackets, right? It's just you go and fight. Yeah, I think you can go and there is age brackets, but if you, the adult bracket is the one that you want to do. Right. Because if you win, if you got the trials, basically, if you go to the trials, you win that, you qualify for the finals and the finals are like every two years. And the finals is only adult. 
yeah, yeah, there's yeah. nothing else. There's nothing else there. It's like, it's like, it, it, it's, that's the other thing with, with a lot of the competitions. It's like, there's a million different champions. Yeah. Because you have your belts, you have your weights, yeah, you have yeah. your ages. Yeah. You have your, and, and so, but where, with this, it's, it's pretty strict. It's like, well, mm. this is, these are the weight classes, female, male, like you're either good enough or you're not good enough. Yeah, I mean so it's kind of like the Olympics, right? If you if you win, yeah, you're the best person. Yeah. There's no old. Oh, yeah, that pool. that's the thing with, yeah. with jiu-jitsu and, and jiu-jitsu competition. That's um, everyone's a European or a British or a world champion. It's like <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like yeah. kickboxing used to do back in the day. Like everyone's a European champion. Yeah, and it kind of loses its value. Whereas like with ADCC, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. However, there are now lots of ADCC nationals. Right and stuff, and they're not they're easy to win. So now you're saying that everyone's an ADCC champion. It's like no, that's not really what it is. You won, you won the nationals. It's yeah. like you beat one guy. Yeah, so, yeah. But that's that's the problem with all kind of the tournament scene anyway. So and so so, are you looking to compete at the moment? Have you have you got anything you've got your eye on or not? Uh, I yeah, I, I I am, but I'm like I'm I'm pretty much done. Like my knee's so bad now. It's like. Yeah, just going to teach can, and yeah, I can train and walk. So, but I've 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 signed up for the British in beginning of December because I've got people doing it. I may do. I may give the Europeans in January one, one last shot in the game. Yeah, and then kind of go from there. But so, and you, what would you do? Masters three, four. Um, for the British, I'm just going to do adult. I, I'm, you know, I'm not bothered. It's like for me, it's it's well, what category can I get fighting? That's the right. thing. For the Europeans, it's different, yeah, because there'll be loads of people. But yeah, yeah. when I when I compete now, I I have the choice of Masters One, Masters Two, obviously adult as well. And my choice is usually, well, which division's got someone in it? Yeah, because the amount of times you'll go and there's no one in the adult divisions, and yeah, maybe no one yeah. in Masters Two, but there is in Masters One. It's like it's what division I can get fighting nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Like, and so everyone gets the black belt and stops competing as well. It's another mm. another one of my kind of issues with people. <laughs> it becomes difficult. It becomes difficult to get fights. So do you think, I mean, um, uh, there, there was an Instagram post recently from uh, Boxmore right. about having to compete to, to get your belt. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, do, do you think that should be an element of, of sort of grading and progressing that you compete or do you, you don't think everybody should have to compete? It's, it's a tough one. I, I like the, the stance that Dan's taken with that. I like that more than people getting easy belts, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm. So he's, he's gone to the other end of the spectrum. He's gone like making it really difficult. You have to do this, you have to do that. Whereas there's other, other teams, other instructors who are giving out belts very, very easily. Right. And it's, it's kind of the opposite of that. Yeah. There's a middle ground, but like, I, I think competition's important as well. Mm everyone talks about that i think you you learn so much like you've you must have learned so much from competing right yeah, yeah, yeah very like much you, so. if, if anything finds the holes in your game yeah quickly it's competing yeah i mean and not even just on a purely on a like a a, a, a jujitsu level but on a about yourself level mm, absolutely can you go under that amount of pressure and it's still stress, do something yeah. or you forget everything and yeah absolutely. You know, very 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 good i've I, you know the the one where I won or I lost still was a really good experience. Yeah, um, yeah. But your the, the thing is as well like your it, it comes down to the reason why you're learning jujitsu, grappling, whatever the hell it is. Why mm. you're learning it? Mm. Because your 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 goal should be to be able to apply it in a realistic situation. Yeah, like that's what everything kind of comes down to. It's the ability to apply this skill set you've developed 
in a realistic situation when the person's trying to fight back. Yeah. Now, that's only to a certain level in the club can you do that because people know you and you know you maybe go to another club and stuff like that there's no pressure like mm. as close as you can get to a realistic situation without just going into the street and kicking off with somebody yeah it's going to be a competition yeah, yeah. so that's going to let you know you're going to know do I actually know this does this actually yeah. work yeah whereas in training and, and you know you get to know each other's games and there's never that kind of element of, of kind of stress and dangerous and yeah so you never really know and then you come back to like well it's it's almost like a the the other end of the spectrum is is like the traditional martial arts where they don't even pressure test it they don't even kind of yeah spar and stuff like that yeah. so our, our, our kind of we all do this we live spar yes but you're really pushing it to the next kind of level is is live sparring but with someone who is trying to beat you that you don't know yeah. in a competition environment yeah i mean i've i've pretty much every episode we've recorded so far where we've ended up talking about jiu-jitsu, I've, I've kind of made that point of yeah. most other martial arts, certainly the other yeah. stuff that I've done. You you never really know where you're at because you can't really pressure test it's whether stupid. it works or not. You can't, what happens if I poke this guy in the eye? Well, probably yeah. this, but you're not going to poke the, yeah. your friend in the eye, right? Your Your training is not real. That's the thing. It's like yeah. you, you, there's no transfer from practice to, to performance or to, to kind of reality. That That's the thing. That's mm. the problem with, with traditional martial arts that don't have a live kind of element to them. Yeah. You, you're not, at, you, you, you're saying you're training to fight, but what you do is so far removed mm. from fighting mm. that you, you might as well be, you know, playing football or something. Dancing. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> like playing football thing. is dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, the thing is, right. So the point I was trying to make to someone the other day, like you can have someone who's like an elite level, say elite, this, this is, I'm using this kind of, um, I say elite level, elite, Nin, level, elite level, level Aikido or something. It's like using the term elite level Sigal and Aikido level. is like, um, elite level Aikido practitioner, whatever. And so that's a fighting art. They, they, they train to fight, right? Against a rugby player. Yeah. They don't fight. They, they play rugby. Yeah. Who's going to win the fight? Yeah. I think the rugby player is probably going to, beat the shit out of the person yeah, yeah, yeah. but they don't they don't train to fight but rugby yeah is more like a fight yeah it's than a what fight with a ball right yeah basically the, it, it, it's physical contact yeah okay the, the, the other person's not doing what you want them to do they're not gripping you the way you want them to grip them yeah they're it, it's a it's almost like a great it's a grappling match with a ball yeah i i would put money on you know, someone who's trained aikido against someone who's played rugby for as long i'd put money on the rugby player winning an actual fight yeah i mean so a, like, a rugby well, team is like this is trouble right yeah when but the they're, not, they're not fighting turn up. they're not trained to fight but rug, the, the game they play the yeah. sport they play yeah this is another reason why i don't like the term martial art the sport they play is so much more well it's it's it's, it's, it's closer related to, to realistic fighting than what Mm. Aikido. I'm really just going mm. on Aikido mm. here, but I mean, we can throw in like Krav Maga and various other things if you want as well. Um, that they they ex they've experienced something that's just closer to a fight. Yeah. So they've got more experience in something which is closer to a real fight scenario. So and, they're going to win. And also the adversity of like you're knackered, you're injured, yeah, you're down it. on that's time. Part of yeah, it. And they, that's part of it. Yeah. That's absolutely part of it. The, um, most traditional martial arts and stuff they don't break a sweat. Mm. Again, like wrestling. Division one wrestler, not even division one wrestler, like a, like a bang average high school wrestler. Okay, they're not. It's not fighting. It's not. It's not martial art. It's a sport. Mm. 
that person who plays sport could be the crap out of most martial artists mm. who are traditional martial artists. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, well, th- that term martial arts has become, it's it's a bit of a joke in that yeah, sense. Yeah, I, I suppose the, I suppose on one end is the martial and on the other end is art and you're somewhere on the spectrum. Yeah, it might be closer to painting or it might be closer to fighting, but it's... It's somewhere in between. But it's why they were created. Those martial arts were created as as as, as martial, as martial fighting systems. They were they were created to. They weren't created, you know, for people to train once a week and you know maybe think that they can fight. Yeah. And then be given a belt, and it's that it's the delusion as well. That that's what I find terrifying. Yeah, I think like, I think with a lot of of more traditional stuff. So, so this is the thing that I that I really like about jujitsu against other things that I've done and other mm. stuff that I've seen is that I think with the more traditional stuff, it comes down to the practitioner. Mm. So you can you can have uh, Aikido guys that are probably hard as fuck mm. and karate guys and kung fu guys and Wing Chun guys and also people who are completely hopeless even though they've got a black belt or they're at a good level or whatever. Same in jiu-jitsu. <laughs> but I think, I think jiu-jitsu is... I mean, I, I guess for you, it's it's a different experience to me because you're at a much higher level than me. You're a bigger guy than me. But, you know, I find any club that I've ever been to, if I roll around on the floor with a blue belt, it's, there's, there's genuine danger there. Mm. Whereas if I go to a, an average club and I spar with an orange belt or whatever, this it could be someone that's going to knock me out. It could be someone that's going to trip themselves over and and hurt their elbow when they fall down. Yeah. Whereas with jiu-jitsu, I think because of the sparring, it just seems like there's, there is that little bit more. If someone's got a belt on, they can they can do stuff. I, I, I mean, apart from apart from my my friend from uh, from Mill Hill. Um, yeah, he's everyone. He's popped up again recently. So everyone, uh, it it feels a little bit more practical to me. I don't, know, just, I don't know whether that's your experience it's just, or not. It's, it's realism. It comes down to realism. It comes down to, to, to representativeness. That, that's the thing. If like it's, you're, you're, you're practicing what you're, you're kind of doing in an in a environment or in a scenario that is close to, to what yeah. realistic conditions are. Yeah, yeah. The more your practice is pulled away from those realistic conditions, the more artificial it becomes, the less what you learn and, and what you develop is going to apply in a realistic situation mm. it's the same with jiu-jitsu as well it's, it's, it's the problem with with most well say most but i think there's a big issue with, with the way people train in jiu-jitsu and it, it comes down to that it comes down to a lack of realism and a lack of re- representative design when it comes to the coaches mm. designing the, the the again drill again mm-hmm. i use that loosely mm-hmm. um or scenario kind of protocol but it's just it's an extreme example with traditional martial arts and it, I, the, a lot of them didn't used to be like that though that's the thing like because like karate is a good one karate gets a lot of shit but full contact karate like it's probably hard to find a club in the uk that's that's, that's real full contact karate mm. like that's that's just like all, all you know that's, that's like jiu-jitsu and wrestling and boxing and, and thai they 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 beat the crap out of each other. Yeah, yeah. So they 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 try and work on the movement patterns and and you know the application of, of what the what the karate is, and then they try and beat the crap out of each other. Yeah. So then they try and apply it in a realistic situation and make get the moves to work. Mm. You can learn the the patterns and you can drill it and you can make it look really nice and stick it on Instagram and shit. But like you're without the realistic responses mm. from an opponent, mm. it's a waste of fucking time. Yeah. And 
traditional martial arts are just like the way most of them are nowadays are just a really good example of that. Mm. Um, but there are still, even in jiu-jitsu and stuff, there are still people or teams that have very inefficient training and they waste a lot of the training time. And their, their, their training is not representative of what they're trying to achieve. Mm. It's like, I don't, drilling is, is, is I, I don't like the traditional drilling, the passive drilling. Right. Now, I'm not saying we don't do it. I'm saying if, if there is something I'm trying to get someone to learn and there's a, a basic movement pattern I'm trying to get someone to learn, you'll passively drill it until you understand it and you understand the mechanics of it. Mm -hmm. But that won't take long. Mm -hmm. Like we'll not spend every class re-drilling the whole thing. We won't warm up with like passive drills mm. because again, passive, the, the, your opponent responds. Yeah. So you're working your your movement, and you're working on 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 the the kind of the, the perception of, of of what is happening and how your body's reacting reacting, is based on something which is artificial. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because you're you're going to have different information when the person responds. So most of your training should have realistic responses. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now then it comes down to managing that and not being a hundred percent and not being going too hard. Mm -hmm. But by spending too much time on something you know, on a pattern you know, like a leg drag, for instance, okay, if you know how, what the leg drag looks like, how it, how it works roughly, continuously drilling that to try and make it perfect is an, a complete waste of time. Mm -hmm. Because that there's so much variability in every fucking scenario, you're going to leg drag, that that leg drag's never going to be the same. Mm. It's going to be roughly, you know, what it is. Yeah, yeah. But you've got to adapt it to the situation. Yeah. And now that situation, the variability between the situation is going to be down to response to your opponent, you know, you know how how you know, how much they're moving, you know, how strong the leg is, how good your grip is, all this kind of stuff. And it's the ability to make that work in in that moment. Mm. So most of your training should be with those realistic responses. Yeah. Because you're taking away a integral source of information by doing passive drilling. Mm. Like you, you'll have heard people talk about, oh, well, everyone, when people get to purple belt, they all kind of know everything. You, well, you know all the moves, right, purple belt. So what, what sets purple belts apart from black belts? What would you, what would you say it is? What do you think is different? Mat time. Mat time. Okay, but what does that mat time give you? Um, better, um, it gives you more and better options, I would say, in okay. dealing with, with the scenarios that you would encounter okay the the mat time and experience thing that's that that's you can't get around that fact because that's so important yeah but it's the experience in the realistic scenarios because mm. that's that's gonna that's gonna basically guide your decision making that's gonna guide the, the the way you can anticipate and you can read yeah what's happening now if you're reading an opponent like you you will have these kind of non-verbal these, these kind of heuristics like let's let's talk like Let's assume we're talking just visual, okay? For, for, for instance, now, okay. So you're at a, a distance, okay? If you're using, if most of your information is coming from visual cues, mm -hmm. you're going to be quite far away, because for instance, if you're if you're in, under side control, like visual information is a bit of a waste of time, yeah, because you're probably just fucking staring at the ceiling. Yeah. It's all going to be kind of haptic and, and, yes. and that. So if you're looking at, uh, if it's visual information, you're going to be reading the movement of your opponent. You're going to be re looking for patterns in their movement. Mm -hmm in order to make the decision of what you go for. Yeah. Now, if most of your training has come and you're trying to apply techniques with a passive opponent, that information is not there. Yes. So you're not going to get better. 
this perfect movement's going to be a little bit smoother, but your ability to use that perfect movement and adapt it and use it at the right time, mm. your timing, your decision-making is not going to be that. Yeah. You, most of your training has to come in a scenario which is representative of the realistic scenario or setting you're going to be using. Yeah. Yeah. But the problem comes with that's not just a case of just sparring and just trying to kick the crap out of each other all the time because that's too far on the other end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. It's trying to it's trying to manage it and maintain as much of that information as you possibly can, but also make it so you can you can still work in that kind of environment. And it's not a case of the guy's going 100% and you're not getting to work. Mm. Okay? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Because that, that's kind of how we work a lot now. Um, I don't like wasting time with stuff like that. Well, so so let me let me let me step back a little bit, yeah. Because um, I mean, really, what I wanted to talk to you about, which I, I mentioned to you and we spoke before, is um, you know when I so so I just to just to give a little bit of background. So I started um, training probably 10, 15 years ago, and I yeah. trained for about six months. I'd, I'd already done other martial arts with Eddie Cohn. With Eddie Cohn, yeah. Oh, some good stories about Eddie Cohn. Did but, you, um, do you know about Eddie Cohn and his time in the police and special services and things? Yeah. <laughs> I like Eddie Cohn. He's a nice guy. I've never met him. I've he's, just, he's a really I, nice I know, guy. I just yeah. know he got nailed by the Walter Mitty guys. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> but but so so anyway, so I um so I started there and I I I didn't understand I couldn't understand anything. I mm. found it I'd I'd already done of a martial arts and, mm. I'd, and I had a black belt. So it's like, I knew how to learn a martial art. I'd, I'd learned how to learn something, right? Yeah, yeah. But I, I got to this and I was completely flummoxed. Like I couldn't, every question that he would ask in class and I would answer it in my head, literally I had a 100% failure rate. Should I turn left or right? Well, obviously left, no, right. Should I put my hand here or there? Well, there, no, here. And I, I, I couldn't, I just, it, it just wasn't making sense for me. And I stayed there for a bit. I had a really bad injury. I had to stop training. And then when I came back was when I came to you at um, Ibis at um, East Finch. Oh, uh, East Finch Comic Academy, yeah. 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 So that was, that was when I started again. And then, and then second time round, you know, I, I started to kind of um, understand it and for it to make sense. And what I, early on, what I, I kind of had in my mind, I, I wanted to sort of... Um, have like a little bit of a project of how to learn jujitsu faster or better because I, I straight away I could kind of see like this is so complex. Yeah, you could, as you say, spend I like many years. Yeah, was you sent me, you sent me a question. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because I was thinking like I could spend five years just going down yeah. dead alleyways and then yeah, yeah, get yeah. five years later and be like, well, that was a waste of time. I should have been a lot doing of people this do instead. That, yeah. So, so what I really wanted to to pick your brain on is if there is a basic or not so basic map or blueprint that you think is um, communicatable on a podcast down a microphone that, that someone can take away after listening to this and say, okay, look, if I do A, B, C, D, E, F, G things, obviously I've got to plug my actual training and what's available, how often can I train, whatever. But is there is there a, a map that somebody can follow to get better faster, to be more efficient in their learning and and their their their, their growth and their journey. It's, I mean, that's that's what everyone wants, basically, isn't it? Like, I, I don't know. 
I think most people, I mean, you, you assume people to start jiu-jitsu because they want to get good at it. And I mean, it's the social aspect and everything as well, but it, it's, it's a difficult question. And it, it's something I've been playing about with a lot kind of in the last couple of years. And it, there's, there's two, there's two, well, three kind of approaches, two common approaches to like kind of learning and motor learning being information processing and ecological dynamics. If you, you can do one approach and it will look different to the other approach. Right. Right. So like the way, the way I see, I don't want to go like, going like in deep into those two kind of theories is just, I, I don't want to yeah. waste, like we don't have time for that. Yeah. Um, the, the way I see it is the way I work with my guys and I've, I've literally just started a beginner's course because the way it was before we weren't taking on, I wasn't taking on beginners. I, I, everyone I had, had a good understanding of basic positions and everything. And, and this allowed me to do what I wanted to do. Like I was saying to you, most of our training was kind of restricted or constrained sparring. Mm -hmm. But again, sparring is not like full on hundred percent sparring. Yeah. It's, it's active kind of drilling. You could say yeah. it's, it's 50, 60%. It's this kind of what I refer to as like a developmental range. Mm -hmm. It's difficult, but it's not impossible, but it's also not too easy. Mm -hmm. And it's realistic responses. Yeah. So you're having, you're kind of actively drilling with somebody and, and there is sparring. There's, you're going to get problems and it's going to be realistic. Because as I say, with the, the issue with passive passive drilling is you're not going to get the problems that occur. Like you, I mean, you must have drilled something. Like the, be the best one is side control, okay? Everyone wants to know how to escape side control. You can show them some really clever things. You frame your hip escape, bring the knee in, underhook, come down to a single leg and you drill it for, you know, 15, 20 minutes, it's fucking brilliant. And it's like, okay, guys, it's a positional spot. You go side control, it's like, right, this doesn't work. Doesn't work. Because, yeah, that's learning the mechanics of it and and, and how that technique might work mm. or, or, or a general idea how that might work. That's one thing. The knowledge is one thing. Developing that into a skill is another mm. because that will come down to developing sensitivity, understanding timing, understanding decision-making, things like that. Yeah. So when you want to get really good at escaping side control, you need a few of these ideas like frames and hip escapes, underhooks, all this kind of stuff. But you just need to spend a shitload of time under side control. Yes. And you need to spend time under side control where you can fuck up and then you can go again yeah. and fuck up and fuck up. But every time you're getting feedback, mate, so yeah. it, come, it comes down to this kind of, basic idea of a feedback loop this mm, mm. basic kind of systemization which is an if and and then model yeah. basic kind of logic so you'll do something it, it might not work and you'll get a result you can use that result you can use feedback from how it felt from feedback from the coach and you plug it back in again you go again you tweak it you mm -hmm. go again you go again you go again but again it's with like realistic scenarios and it's repeatedly trying to tweak those things because you can be shown all these techniques and things all the time. And as well, the issue I have with, with the coaching and stuff, people over coach, like people don't need to know everything. Like I intentionally hold stuff back. I hold stuff, I'll intentionally hold something back and know that they're going to fuck it up and I'll just watch them fuck it up. For your privates. And then, <laughs> not even that. But like, I, what's the point in me giving you a solution to a problem you've not encountered? Yes. No point. So if I give you all the information straight away, it's not going to make sense to you. You, I need to put you in that scenario and you need to understand, okay, this isn't working. This isn't working. Get a bit frustrated. Then I'll maybe give you an idea yeah. and you go from there. Yeah. But it comes down to spending time, the experience in those positions and work in those positions. Mm. Now at the beginning, the biggest thing at the beginning is you just, you'll have people who will get to a certain position and be like, I don't know what to do now. 
Like that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing I'm I, I'm trying to get around. So you you'll have your kind of core positions or the kind of common positions, the one that, that's organically occur. Like your dominant positions, like your side control, your mount, your back, uh, front headlock as well, rear turtle. Your your kind of pre pre guard positions, guard positions. You'll have all your guards, but you've got to have a general idea of all these kind of positions. Mm-hmm. Now, you don't need to go down into variations and really complex guard configurations and things, but they just need to know in the main positions that are going to occur, if they're on the top or on the bottom, what you need to try and do, what's your objective, okay? Not how you do it necessarily, but just what your objective is, mm-hmm. okay? So I will, I, I, I've been playing about with loads of different ways of teaching. One of the ones is is just starting at the finish. Right. So I'll look at in... In no gi or submission wrestling, your two dominant finishes are going to be the the, the RNC, the, the strangulation from the back. Back is the dominant position, and from the mount is going to be a arm triangle. Right. Okay, they're, they're they're kind of your two high percentage finishes from your two dominant positions. So just learn them straight away. Right. Okay, or even forget the mount and you just learn the back straight away. Mm-hmm. So I'll get a beginner. I'll put them on the back. I'll teach them. I, I how the back kind of the idea of it and how it sort of works. Yeah. Little, a few little tips, how the RNC works. And then they'll spend a lot of time playing about with it and get better at it. Little, little tips here and then, but, but just getting comfortable and better at that position. Mm-hmm. Cause then when they go into sparring, it's like, right, just find the back. Yeah. And what position? Like, well, I don't know what to do now. It's like, well, what position? It doesn't matter what position, find the back. Yeah. Like, you know what the back looks like. Yeah. Go and find the back. So the whole time they're developing these kind of routes and paths to that one dominant position. Yes. They're going through these, they'll be in positions they won't even know what the fuck it is. But mm. it's like, well, that's, that's cool. So what is this? What's he doing? Don't worry about that. Find the back. Yeah. So the whole time they have a focus. Yeah. It's when they're sparring and they stop and they look up at you and goes, I don't know what to do. Like that's when it becomes unproductive. Yeah. Whereas they can have a whole session and they're getting smashed. And, but the whole time they're like, okay, my objective is to find the back. Yeah find the back, find the back. And there'll be little incremental improvements and stuff, but they know where they're going. Mm-hmm. It's like setting off on a journey and like, you don't know where you're going. Yeah. Like you have to have an end point to start with. Yeah. And then there's other ways of kind of developing those paths. And, but that, I think for beginners, that's the best way to start with at that, in my opinion, at the moment, because it, not knowing where you're going is, is the biggest issue. And so if you, so, so if you take, for example, that back position and a strangle from the back, yeah, and let's say, uh, I mean, I, d- I don't, I don't know whether you have an idea of what's an optimum amount of times per week and hours per tra- day to train or whatever. But let's let's say you've got someone who's coming in three times a week and doing yeah. an hour and a half, couple of hours or whatever. Yeah. Um, how how long typically would they spend doing one position, or does it vary person to person? Before you would say, okay, you know, th- you're you're obviously you're not an expert at this, but it's acceptable. Yeah. I'm going to move you on to something else. And would you then move to mount and uh, arm triangle or would you move to an intermediate position to help them to to go to the back? I'll normally move to mount and arm triangle. Right. Because... So then they've got two destinations they can yeah, go to. That also fit together. One. Yeah. You can take the back from the from mount. There. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then... So I have... I have a general, there's a, there's a couple of little systems that I run with. Um, I, the, the Nogi systems are basically, this basically just two forms of head and arm system. Yeah. Um, all, your, your goal is to establish a head and arm control. Right. Be it from the back, from the mount, 
passing the guard, albeit from the second system, which is head to head, which is front headlong. So just okay. to just to that's that's the dominant control that you're looking for. When you say head and arm, you would you would okay, so, so some kind of over under seat belt. You have absolutely absolutely. So if you're in if you're in mount, you have a cross face, you get underhook, right? Yeah, that's head and arm. Right. If you then take the back, you have the same head and arm. It's just you're behind the person. Yeah. Okay, that that's the key thing. It, it's a it's a form of controlling the head and controlling the arm. Because mm-hmm. if if the person has head and arm control on you, you can't really do anything. Yeah, this is the thing. Front headlock as well. Yeah. Okay, your front turtle position. Once they establish that kind of head and arm position, yeah, you you're in a bad spot. There. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll then mm-hmm. cycle through the, the head and arm submissions from that position. Mm. From there, they can then they can go behind and then they can go rear turtle and then they 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 go to the other head and arm system. But the whole time is once you're once you're kind of past the 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 knees or past the the, the long range frames, mm-hmm. you get shoulder line control with that, and you get head and arm, mm-hmm. and then everything works from there. And that's with the beginners. That's what I'm pushing them down. I'm pushing them down the idea of understanding that head and arm, that head and arm control is dominant, and everything can filter into that. So when they understand that, they can figure that out from so many different positions. They yeah. understand that. Yeah. Um, conceptually as well it, it's i spent a lot of time with underhooks and inside control for instance so i'll do sessions where i'm just getting them understanding underhooks from loads of positions mm-hmm. it's not necessarily oh this is an underhook from half guard this is how it should be done it's like okay this can be from half guard this can be from side control this is me from mount you stand up these are underhooks as well it's getting them to understand that it's transferable across mm-hmm. positions mm-hmm. Because I don't want them then learning individual things for this position, this position, this position. We want the most effective things that are going to be the most useful in the most yeah. amount of positions, yeah. as it were. Yeah. The 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 dominant kind of th- the concepts that are going to apply to the most positions, rather than having to learn something for every position. Because mm. that's a fucking ball like that's exhausting. It takes too long, and you know yeah. you want to you want a very small skill set which is very efficient. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. That's the whole it's your eight, your eighty twenty. It's, 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 it's basic Pareto, Pareto principle. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're looking. You're looking for the dominant stuff. You're looking for the twenty percent that's going to give you the the eighty percent mm. achievement. Mm-hmm. From that. that that's that's an approach a lot of people are using now as well. But as I say, this is all great because this is this is all talking about the most optimal like techniques and approaches but you can do this and you can understand this and you can have a really good understanding of how these systems work how the head and arm systems work how the underhook works inside control how all that works how the back works how you control the back how you finish from the back but if you don't train it with resistance you're not going to develop a skill from that Mm. you have knowledge Mm. because you can you can tell me and you can show me but then you can't do it because you don't have any idea of timing decision making realistic responses Mm. all this kind of stuff like that that's where people fall down with their training yeah like and that's the that's the fault of the coach like that again nowadays i still have these kind of systems that i i use but man like the, the the previous previously the role of the coach was provider of information right okay back when i started like everything came from the coach like they they provide everything they are the 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 font of knowledge as it were they are the provider of all information any question you ask the coach yeah Uh, it's not like that now now it's not like that at all anymore the information and high quality information is 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 out there everywhere you have all these DVDs, all this content. Yeah. People are watching them. I push my students to watch that stuff. Yeah, yeah. My my role is 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 less about that now, and it's now about getting people to train it properly. 
right. and getting people to facilitating the training and where they need to improve, how they need to improve that. So I'm I'm not the the, the sole information provider nowadays. Mm. Like I have guys that know way more about me in loads of different positions. Yeah, and when we talk about it, like I'll pass over to them. They'll they'll talk about that, and then we'll come out. We'll we'll, we'll design kind of representative scenarios in order to work that that stuff properly. Was that you said Noel came up earlier? <laughs> no, you don't. You're not, Noel no. is uh, Noel is a huge information provider, <laughs> but it's it's shifted and like the the role of a main coach nowadays is it's not like it used to be. It isn't this like, there's still too many schools which are like instructor and teacher centered. Mm. It's all about the instructor. It's all about the teachers. Mm, mm. You end up with this kind of like unhealthy kind of cult of personality. And it's that, that's not how it should be nowadays, yeah. especially because they are no longer, or they shouldn't be the sole provider of information yeah. unless they know everything, yeah. which like who the fuck does? Cause People does, are constantly does, does pushing. Dana know. Dana know. Dana well, he's 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 close, right? Yeah, well, he he he's probably the closest you have to someone who you know maybe maybe knows everything. So, um, but most most instructors, man, like you 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 can't you can't know everything. It's yeah. like it's such a complex system. I think well, exactly. And as and as a as we touched on earlier, as a an evolving um, yeah rapidly. thing rapidly evolving especially in the understanding like the what things are becoming more optimal as you do it leg lock games is a great example mm. like that has changed massively over the last three or four years yeah because the way we initially were doing it wasn't optimal and now it's becoming more optimized yeah. and we're now knowing what actually is good and what isn't good yeah but it's, it's this push towards optimizing the techniques to suit the rule set yeah and like that's an ongoing battle it's like an arms race so if you if for for no gi and do you say you you guys do train in the gi there as well so what, what's yeah. your split between gi and no gi roughly we train um two day sessions a week and two evening sessions a week that's not like one hour in the evening sessions i, I we don't have much amount of time it's ridiculous so <laughs> how do you split that on gi and no gi so I do day classes. We have an hour and a half day classes. So Monday and Friday is, is gi in the day for an hour and a half. Tuesday, Thursday is no gi in the day, right. hour and a half. And then in the evenings, Tuesday and Wednesday, we have, it's an hour gi and on both both days to start with. Yeah. Uh, but now I'm running side by side on the mat. I'm running the grappling, the, like the primer, the beginner's course right. as well. Right. So there's gi going on and there's me trying to work with the beginners and the no gi as well. Yeah. Um, and then there's like hour, 45 minutes, two hours, no gi after that. Right. Um, do an hour and a half in Hampstead randomly because it's the only place I could find a mat <laughs> on a Thursday. Yeah, I, I see the pictures and I'm like, oh, Hampstead, that's a... It's, it's cool. It's like, area. it's at the... Um, do you know the Royal Free Hospital? Yeah. They have like a little rec club, like a, oh, okay. a little gym. It's like a charity thing. And yeah, we've been the most Good spot, there. right? Anyone gets weekend, injured, just right go down there, right turn left, the and then yeah. one floor. All, right, all the surgeons that have come in and they're training and stuff. And it's like, it's all right. If someone gets injured, we'll just. Yeah. Uh, and then on a Saturday, it's no, it's no gi. It's uh, two hours on a Saturday. Um, Sunday is just this, like a massive open mat now. Like right. it's no, but it's no gi or gi, whatever people want to do. But they, yeah, you, you just come in and, and, and kind of train it. Um, and and so coming have much time. <laughs> yeah coming so coming back to to your with with nogi that those two basic positions is, is your where you would start from what, it's a, good, what, it's a what, good place to start what's the difference that you teach or you think about for gi would you would you, would you still start with you, those two you know what like this is the thing it's it's i i haven't 
put any effort into figuring out a beginner's course for gi for a long time. Right. And it's it's not like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know how I'd run it now. Right. Like, and again, the way I'm running the beginners for the Nogi now, it, it'll change next time around. It'll, yeah. it'll keep changing and changing and changing until I'm happy with it. Yeah. Um, and and it's it's working well enough. But with, with gi, it's, I would, I would still, I would still probably start with the back and start with the foot, the finish. Yeah. Because I still think that's, it's it's a it's the best destination yeah um but the complexity is is just ramped up by the fact that you can you can grab your per, your opponent in like, any part of the body almost yeah. but within yeah. reason yeah. um so that 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 hugely changes everything yeah there's no you know whereas within nogi there is no long-term grip everything is yeah kind of transient you have a grip you have to move so so after someone does i don't know six weeks three months six months whatever in, yep. in that beginner phase and they've and they have their their um competent in those two positions yeah where do you go next you know let's say now there's, there's other stuff in the beginners as well like it, okay that what ba basically the beginners the goal for me in the beginners is to have them understand what every core position is what right. it pretty much looks like what it feels like and what your objective is top and bottom. That, mm -hmm. That's the basic idea. Mm -hmm. Because once they've done that, you can chuck them in a main class and they can spot. Right. Like that's the key thing. So it's, it's taking away that that lack of, of kind of direction as it were. Mm -hmm. And it's 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 taking away the confusion in the position guy, I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. But this is then that those core positions are all kind of taught relatively not not in a lot of detail, but quite vaguely. Yeah. But I'm trying to connect them with the concepts, with the underhooks, with that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. But I, I really push the the type of like how we train as well. Which which would be kind of like positional sparring. Start yeah, from here, that, try to they, get. They to do there. that right from the beginning. So they'll come in and like they won't know anything, and I'll just show them what the back is, and they'll be like, okay, guys, just go from there. Try and try and check your opponent. Try and escape from the position. And what happens is they they all make the same mistakes, which is great, and intuitively some of them do the right things which is mm. great mm. as well because then i can kind of like shape them towards that without showing them mm. if they can figure stuff out without me showing them that's even fucking better because they're gonna they're gonna be able to stick with that way more than me showing them yeah if that makes sense yeah. if you figure something out yourself it's yeah. it becomes a lot a lot lot stronger yeah right? especially when it comes to, to to retention of memory like yeah. that's a that's a very very kind of clear evidence behind that mm. so i'm i'm trying to put them in positions and i'm trying to constrain them and almost just like i know what they need to do and i know kind of the right things they need to be doing and i'm almost just trying to push them to look in the right places if that makes sense yeah rather than me telling them do this do that, do that. i'm like taking away certain things i'll constrain them and say you can't you can't do this or you, you can only do this and and i'm just narrowing it down and i'm just pushing them into an area where I know there's a good solution. Yeah. Okay. I know there's maybe not an optimal solution, but I know there's a good solution. Yeah. And they'll start to find that. Now with a beginner, if you don't constrain and they're never gonna find anything. It's yeah. just fucking chaos. Yeah. So it's it's getting them to 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 be realistically kind of moving and fighting, but restraining it enough that you can get them to, you know, figure things out if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, that, that's really, really, really difficult. Like I, I miss teaching the old way, like coming in yeah. and just doing this technique, this technique, this technique as well. That's so fucking easy. Yeah. Now it's like, I have a rough idea of what we're going to do. 
we do it and it's like right that didn't work okay this worked though so that's that's interesting let's do this so i i i'll be designing and, and switching stuff on the on the fly depending on how the group are reacting to it but that and will that will probably become easier when you've done this yes cycle but even even times. with the main group even with the main group i'll try something and be like balls that didn't work why didn't that work okay this happened though that's interesting right mm. do this guys and then yeah i'm always kind of shaping them as we're doing it yeah and there's different kinds of knowledge in in that group as well and people are doing different things but normally there's things i want people to do and i don't want to tell them to do it so right. i will kind of constrain them and i will limit those kind of sparring protocols so they figure that shit out themselves mm. sometimes they don't sometimes they go the wrong way it's like right well, why is, why has he gone that way i don't want it to go that way yeah i don't want to tell him not to go that way yeah so i'll have to figure out a constraint that'll push him back in the right direction if yeah. that makes sense yeah because then they eventually find it out but this is all done with resistance this is all done with realistic responses mm. but it's it, it's difficult to do the problem as well is it's a long road yeah now the people that want familiarity and kind of this this false sense of improvement they hate it mm. they'd rather drill a technique for 10 minutes and feel like they know it yeah and then they feel then they go home feeling like they've, they've learned something yeah my guys are frustrated fuck yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. and they go home hating everything but over time the the, the levels and the technique emerges and it's it's strong and it, yeah. they get so so good with it yeah but it's such a difficult sell for me mm. because i I'm, I'm minimizing the teaching if I can, because I want them to be kind of figuring this stuff out. I want them to be, that you basically, the goal is when you get to that, but you're, you're a very good problem solver. Yeah. You should be very adaptive. You should be a very good problem solver. Now, how am I improving your problem solving skills by just telling you answers? Yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to be there to feed you answers all the fucking time. Yes. Like I'm trying to create people that can develop themselves. Yeah. Like it, it sounds weird and as a business approach, it's fucking terrible. But my end goal is just to be redundant. Okay. Yeah, Financially, yeah, obviously yeah, not, yeah. but to be redundant to them in a sense. Yeah. I know what you mean. Okay. I, there's a lot of guys I have now that, are, that they, they understand how to learn. They understand how to develop now. Mm. And for me, my, my role is less a case of trying to show them loads and loads of new stuff because some of the areas of stuff they've gone off on, they know more than me. Yeah. But it's to facilitate the training environments, it's to facilitate the scenarios in which they can realistically train that and apply that knowledge mm. to develop a skill. Mm. Okay. Does that sound crazy or like <laughs> No, no. Because I mean, again, there is this is this is all based in 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 theory, it's all based in a lot of kind of evidence based science stuff. This is the thing. Yeah. Um, I haven't just gone, oh, fuck it, this sounds crazy. Let's just do this. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, um, I, I guess as well, from your background, from your academic background, yeah. um, you know, the, the, the example that I, that I always refer back to, and I, and I always forget the actual numbers, but the, the, it's the British cycling team. So they they win everything, or they they were before COVID. I mean, they were winning yeah. everything, right? Well, they, All the they indoor were, cycling. They weren't until um, thingy came in. Yeah, whoever some. Oh, it's uh, uh, Brailsford. Brailsford. I don't yeah. know, but the, but basically, Marshall Gaines guy. Yeah, they, they had the yeah they had this coach who who basically looked at every single detail, like right, which pedals are you yeah. using, which and and the example that I always. Um, that, that stuck with me was I think that I, uh, I forget the numbers, but they he he brought them in and they had to lie on like 150 different pillows mm. and just see like which one feels comfortable for you. Right, take these five home, the five best ones. Yeah, sleep a night on each of them, and then okay, you sleep best on this pillow. 
you sleep on that pillow because if you get a better night's sleep, yeah. you get a better recovery. So they 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 incrementally, you know, looked at yeah. every teeny tiny little thing. Which obviously, if you've got thirty million quid budget, full time yeah. gym, full time athlete, sponsorship, everything is that. much easier. But but I I always kind of. Um, suspected that, that that would be your your route forwards because you seem to have the same kind of analytical um looking for, like you say yeah. for more efficiency more effectiveness better use of time and yes. and so i guess that's that's why you uh, the, got to where you are at the moment yeah my teaching and training it, it's, it's change, it, it continues to change when I find did, a did you bring pillows in for these lots of things? <laughs> no, no, yeah. I, th I think it was, it's Brailsford, um, the guy that took over. That's interesting. I did um, so during during the pandemic when no one could train. Um, I did some some Zoom kind of like I didn't do I didn't do the stupid stuff that people did on Zoom where they they basically did the Zoom of them practicing techniques and everyone tried to do the same thing. That was a waste of time. Yeah, like, I didn't even attempt to do that. Right, I did like lectures basically. And, okay. and and uh, athlete analysis. Like, I did a massive like six hour analysis of Gordon Ryan. Like I spent hundreds of hours like breaking the fights down um but i did a, i did a lecture on that i did a lecture on marginal gains marginal gains the the, the doctrine of marginal gains um using like brailsford and and like ferrari i think ferrari or, or mercedes were one that did it mercedes did it as well for right. one right. again mercedes did it to a ridiculous degree because yeah. they have billions of pounds yeah 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 but brailsford's an interesting one with that um like yeah the, the sleep the optimal optimizing sleep was one thing but it was all it was just Every little thing, yeah. every little thing, and, and it all adds up, and it's a significant yeah. amount. Yeah. On on its own, it doesn't. You know, if you, if you just change that one thing, it doesn't make anything. But it's 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 optimizing. It's 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 making all of these little changes and, and kind of going through. Mm. Like he completely revolutionised. Yeah. Um, yeah. British cycling and Team Sky, I think it was as well. And yeah. And then everyone got different drugs. So. So. <laughs> so. But then that's 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 marginal gains. That's optimizing, isn't it? They're optimizing the athlete through you know PEDs. Yeah. So, but it's getting caught. But so so then uh, uh, another question then uh, on on the similar kind of subject is do do you have a um, a map a framework a blueprint whatever of how much you should be training what sort of recovery you should be doing what you should be eating sleep etc or do you, do you that's too much into that, the I, I would I would do that um, and if I when I have facilities um i will do that 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 comes down to but that isn't there is no perfect answer to that because that depends on where are you where are you in the year like the one thing we don't do in in, in jiu-jitsu or, or anything like that, we don't periodize mm. any of the you know sport periodizes yeah you know, like any olympic athlete has you know four-year cycles yeah, you yeah. periodize and you you peak for the worlds you peak for certain grand prix meets you and you peak you you peak hard for the mm. olympics mm. so you'll go through phases in, in that so how much you're sleeping how much you're eating or that will depend on where you are in the cycle yeah like is it the the are you are you in like a skill development or skill acquisition phase are you in a pre-comp phase are you in like a late pre-comp phase are you in a post-comp phase mm. like it, that will massively dictate you know what you're going to do and how you're going to do it because mm. again you might need to lose weight yeah you might need to you know you might need to lose weight you don't want to be peaking too early because then you'll start to tail off and you yeah. can't because you'll end up overtraining. yeah yeah because if you go really really hard really hard you peak 
like it's like fuck I've peaked I'm two weeks out I've peaked it's like yeah. shit well you've got to maintain this peak for two weeks it's like well it, it, but if you train much harder and you continue to train this hard you're going to over you're going to burn yeah out. I mean that, that that happened to me the second time I went to the Euros not that yeah. I would even call it peaking but I was so battered from the because Nick yeah. used to have um, I think it was an eight week like a comp he used to run yeah thing. he used to try and run a comp yeah, yeah. A, a camp it, for the so the it was so, so first of all I didn't actually understand like so literally the first session of the eight weeks yeah. was, um, I think it was positional sparring, right? So yes. you do back, both of you, side control, whatever. Yeah. And then, and then we did went through like this eight weeks, and then I, th I don't know whether I just wasn't paying attention, I zoned out, whatever. <laughs> so it got to the eighth week, and he was like, right. So tonight we go back to the positional sparring and you should have worked out all your problems that you found on the first one. And I was like, <laughs> oh shit, is, is that, that what we were supposed to do? No, I just thought it was like week one, week two. But, but I think the second time I went to the Euros, because I had already like a herniated disc, right? So I was already fucked. Yeah. And then, but we did it twice. So we did 16 weeks of like really hard sparring. Yeah. Like, I'm not joking. I couldn't even walk when I got there. I was so yeah. broken. I, I, I fell on the mat. I didn't have didn't warm up properly because they moved my fight, you know, like half an hour early. Yeah. I, I might as well have not gone, literally, I, yeah. you know. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, absolutely, you need to... That's like, that. that's a, that's a like, th this is a big thing for me. And like, at the, at the minute, we're not really doing any comp training. We're going to try to, but again, I have a massive restriction on the fact that I don't really bloody mat time. Mm. Like, if I could have mat time whenever I wanted, it'd be great. Mm -hmm. But at the minute, like, I'm just, it's just main, the main classes and like, everything is based around skill acquisition and mm. skill development mm. it's acquiring mm. new skills and then it's developing those skills yeah. now that's the bulk of your training is that because what that is it's pushing on the skill sets it's developing new skill sets it's making you better it's improving your skills now if you only train like that you will do shit in competition it's mm. as simple as that because you don't train hard enough yeah but if you just train really fucking hard, your skill will be limited. Yeah. You'll see it now. You see people who just spar all the time and they, they're doing the same shit they've been doing for the last two or three years. Yeah. They're not really improving with it. Yeah. Their game is not developing. They're just doing the same sort of stuff and mm -hmm. being pretty bang average at it. Because again, they're not breaking it down. They're not giving themselves time to an opportunity to develop those skills. Yeah. And again, you, you burn out eventually. That's the thing. So that, that it has, you have to have that competition training. It has to be really intense. And it, it, it's, like I said before, if you're going to compete, you need to try and replicate competition. Yeah. So you need to be fair 100%. You need to be trying to win every point. You need to do that. Mm -hmm. Like that, and that has to be done on the build-up. Yeah. You can maybe do it once a week anyway, if you really want. Yeah. Like all the time, that, that's absolutely fine. But if you did that, if you do your proper comp training and you did a proper camp like that, that can't last forever. Yeah. Because that's going to, that's going to hinder your progression and your development. And you're going to burn out. Like it's understanding where how the peaking works is is a really really people just think the more they train them the the, you know, yeah. the, the, the better they're going to be the sharper they're going to be it's like no you're going to burn out I think the older because you got you got to push your body the, really yeah, the fucking more you hard realize that's... yeah you got to push your body really really hard to get to that optimal state you cannot maintain that optimal state yeah because you'll you'll just burn out yeah like yeah, so yeah. this is why you have to periodize you have to re be really clever about when this training starts when so you're hitting the optimal state just when you're about to compete. Mm. If you hit it like three weeks before, you've massively fucked up because you'll dip again and then you've got to come back up again. Mm. It's like you, 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 can't, you can't hit it too early. And obviously you can't hit too late, but you, you'll burn out if you just keep going and going and going and going and going. And do you, do you think there is a, there is a broadly 
six weeks, eight weeks, ten weeks, whatever, before no. a big comp win. Just too hard I, to nail it down. I don't know. Eight, six, eight weeks is great. Um, I don't know did you, what, what did you do and again, when you were Everyone's different. This is the thing. There's so much variability between people. And I, I had, when I did like, saying like, using the term like camp really fucking loosely, it's not yeah. like a proper MMA camp yeah, yeah, where yeah. people are, you know, full time in this, but I'll, I'll do a few more sessions. And yeah. I'm normally about, I'm probably about four weeks. I don't like right. to have a long right. kind of camp. I feel like I, when I really, really train hard, yeah. I, I peak quite quickly. Yeah. It's not a long bill for me. Yeah. I feel within four weeks of really pushing and pushing and pushing, I get sharp very, very quickly. Yeah. And I peak very, very quickly. Yeah. So I don't feel I need like a drawn out eight weeks to really start building up. Mm-hmm. Whereas there's other people I know, and it takes fucking ages. Some of, some of my guys, I, I, I know I'm going to have to push them really hard for eight weeks yeah. to get them to peak. Yeah. Whereas others, it's like maybe a little bit less. and and But then it comes down to, then you're going to manage them individually. Mm. Then it's knowing your students and your athletes on mm. an individual level and knowing mm. how they work. Yeah. When do they peak? Do they get too tired? Do they get stressed out by it? The anxiety issues with this. Like that's that's what you have to do as the coach as well. So in case of just throwing everyone in, we do six weeks of comp training and that. You've got to be looking for like, okay, they're struggling with this. They're not struggling with this. Like shit, they're starting to peak too soon. Bring them back a little bit. You've got to kind of manage manage them like that. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm talking. It's like this isn't a professional sport. No, exactly. So you can't really do that. Yeah. Like if it, you wanted to be optimal, and you wanted to treat it as a professional sport. That's how you would do it. Yeah. That's how any other sport does it. Yeah. So you just try to to get as close to that with your twenty yeah. percent of what's available. Exactly. To, to Everyone that there's there's a big onus on kind of responsibility if you're in training with with the way I, with the way I work, like the promotion stuff. So like everyone asks about what, what it takes to get certain belts, all this kind of stuff. Um, one of the ones I kind of think now for like a purple belt, I think purple belts, like if you're a purple belt, you're, you're like a legitimate badass. You should be able to fuck up most people. So one of the things I want to see in a purple belt, I don't want to see a purple belt that just follows me and just does what I say. Mm. And get, I, I want to see them going off and I want to see them looking at other stuff mm coming back with different ideas and following different paths of their training and, you know, looking at maybe finding a DVD that's on a very specific area that they want to work on and, mm. and working on that. I mm. want to see mm-hmm. them starting to understand how to structure their own training and to develop themselves and push themselves further. If they don't do that and they literally are just coming in, this is a technique, do the technique and go home and then they forget about it. And like, it, it, that's, that's not what a purpose is. Yeah. And like, um, do, do you guys grade uh, not in the gi? I just grade. But I mean, I'm, would you, would you just say like blue belt, purple belt? Whatever, I, I, use that, I use that grading system gear. because like, look, it's it's now not a big thing. Like a lot of people are doing it. Like Dana has been doing it for years anyway. A lot of other people are doing it. If somebody wants to fight Nogi, like most, like IBJJF and most of the competitions, the bloody BJJ belt ranks. So it's right. like, well, why <laughs> so I just use that? Yeah. I'm not going to invent my, uh, invent my own belt system. I'm not going to do any of that kind of stuff. I'm I'm now just grading on it's it's just the, the grappling ability. It's how are they how how competent are they as a grappler? Yeah. In the rule set that they train in. Right. Like it's not I don't train I don't grade them under BJJ. I, it's yeah. you know you're you're a grappler. Whatever you can yeah. say it's BJJ if you want. You can say it's jiu-jitsu, You can say it's submission grappling nogi. You know, and then if you don't think it is, then roll with the guy. Tell me they're not a purple belt. Yeah. Like that's that's the easiest way of doing it. Yeah. And and so apart from um, 
pressure tested guided situations where you are learning these effective routes and yep. positions and stuff is there is there anything else that you think people should focus on or literally if you do that you're probably going to be the optimum improvement um this is this is the thing it's like there are it, it's okay so you, you've got to be uh, like, really, really basic. When you come into training and you're working in certain positions and stuff, you everyone will have certain things they're working on, okay? You've got to be, it, it's that active attention as well. So I'll see people kind of going through the motions. They'll be doing this kind of stuff, but they're not really concentrating. They're not really paying attention. Like that's that's a really hard one. Mm -hmm. So it's, you should be, by the time you finish training, you should be physically exhausted, mm -hmm. but you should also be mentally exhausted. Yeah. Now you you'll know what it's like. If you sit down, you're working, you're 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 really focused, you're real kind of deep work and almost like in a flow zone, mm. you're gonna you you get you get drained. You get yeah. mentally drained. That's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. kind of what it has to be like as well. Yeah. You have to be really, really actively attending and focusing to what you're doing. Mm. Because you're gonna you're gonna do something if you're I don't know if the scenario is just you're starting from like a partial knee slice position. You, you're going to work three minutes of this. If you pass, you start again. They sweep, start again. So you're going to you're going to do this knee slice. It's going to work. It's going to not work. Maybe five or six times in three minutes. You've got to be attending to what went, what happened there. Was there something different there? And then you've got to change it and go back. Okay, this happened and there. You've got to be kind of constantly refeeding yeah. that feedback into the if and then loop. Yeah, that's the thing. That's not easy to get across, and it's because it's a lot more of a mental thing. Yeah. It, it isn't just kind of going in and just kind of following what I'm telling you to do, following the protocol and the restrictions I've given, mm -hmm. but just doing it and doing it and doing it. No, no, no. What, what's happening? What, what are you seeing? Like what, what, what's different when it, when it's working, what's happening compared to when it's not working. Can you see there's something there? Is there something that you can identify that is the reason for it working, not working mm. this kind of stuff. Mm. This is my job. Obviously I yeah. will, point this out to people and I will give them clues and I will, I will point, I will tell them sometimes if I need to tell them, but you need to develop that yourself. Yeah. Like, because as well, when it comes to the feedback, I don't have the feedback you have. I can watch you do a knee slice. Mm. Okay. I can see what's happening. I can see how your opponent's moving. I don't have any of the internal feedback. Yeah. I don't have any of how it felt. What was the, the haptic connection? Did you feel them move the hips slightly? Yeah. Like I don't have that. So that information is in you. Like I can't help you with that feedback. I can then talk about it with you and go, did it, how did it feel like? But yeah. you, you've got to be processing and understanding the feedback you're getting, internal yeah. feedback to reapply into that feedback loop for the next time you go. And it is this like jujitsu is basically just a massive fucking trial and error. Like that's the whole thing. Mm. You're constantly trying to it didn't work. Okay, well, why didn't it work? Mm. Let's change the variable. Let's change that. Let's yeah. change this. Let's change yeah. that. This is why anyone who has like I um Ben was talking about the authors, and this is a massive, massive thing for me. Like this is a huge area of research that I'm interested in to the point that I'm writing a research proposal to do a PhD on it. I'm I'm interested in high functioning autism. Right. And specifically, though, not necessarily autism, but there is a so Simon Baron Cohen at Cambridge University has there's a lot of research they've done on what I believe they call systemizers and empathizers, and there are some pretty well validated kind of like tests to understand if someone is a high systemizer or a high empathizer. Okay, it's we believe it might be a zero sum game. You're either one or the other. You can't be high on both. Right. But I, I think 
anyone who has, I think if you look at the elite level jiu-jitsu guys and you, for, and you get them to do, I was going to say you force them to do this, don't force them to do anything. Um, I was also going to say something else, but then you might have had to cut it because I was going to make a joke about someone. I'm not going to do that. My students, I know exactly who I was going to talk about. Um, this, this, um, this systemization quotient, if I believe all the high-level jiu-jitsu people will score super, super high on this. And this is basically the ability to use if and then kind mm -hmm. of equations, mm -hmm. the, the, the kind of old like boo, uh, Boolean, like George Bull kind of logic mm -hmm. loops. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I think that this is a massive thing. I think I can use that <laughs> to identify talent <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and identify people that are more likely yeah. to be successful in jiu-jitsu. Now, it's correlated with autism. It's correlated with autism. It is not a test for autism, but there is a correlation between people who are hyper systemizers mm. and people who have this kind of systemizing mechanism mm. or this, this systemized mechanism is tuned super, super high. And it's, it's common in people who have autism or have autistic traits. Yeah. And so, so, so you, would you think that, that, that the autism then the way that they find it difficult to interact is because of their process of doing things. They're about things, not about people. Yeah. Like that, that's a, the basic breakdown. It's like or, or, or autistics have very bad social interaction, bad, bad eye contact. They can't read these kind of verbal or nonverbal cues. Like yeah. that, that's, that's one of the, the, the kind of the hallmarks is, or, or kind of main characteristics of autism. It's this inability to interact with people. They're, they're about things. Mm. They're about how things work, how yeah. mechanics work, yeah. systems, how that kind of stuff works. This is why like you go into the STEM industry, your, your, your science, technology, um, engineering mathematics and that that's why it's 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 super high with with, yeah. with people who have those traits yeah. and yeah, yeah, with yeah. because their brain is wired to do that yes it is not wired to socialize it's not wired to interact well with people so you do, on do the you other think, side of the scale you have empathizers who are the opposite do you think mark zuckerberg's going to get good then maybe possibly maybe may, possibly may become possibly. the next gordon yeah Ryan. possibly that, that's that's the thing it's like it's not this like thing it's not like uh oh, okay you, you've scored really high and this you're gonna be amazing it's like you might be you you're you're you, you have more say potential. you're predisposed to maybe better kind of do better at this yeah but it doesn't mean you're definitely gonna yeah because there's, there's so many other fucking random factors as well like you could get bored of it or that something else could happen and yeah, yeah, yeah. but it, there's there's such a I'm, I'm so certain there is a link. Just, just focusing on that. Just focusing on using Baron Cohen's uh, systemization question. I'm, I'm so certain that if I get a whole load of jiu-jitsu people to do it, and I get the elite, what who regard it as the elite, elite guys, I'm so certain there'll be a, a correlation between a, the elite level yeah. and and scoring high to the point of being a hyper systemizer. Yeah, I mean, you can kind of see, we, we've talked about this a few times on the podcast as well, you can kind of see with, with a fair amount of the, the high-level guys, yeah. if you watch their instructionals or their whatever, you yeah, can yeah, see the, they're on yeah. the spectrum. I mean, absolutely, absolutely. It's quite, it's quite obvious from yeah. looking at them, yeah. yeah. But as well, there's obviously the, the hyper-focus um, and, and various things like that, but it's 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 the way the thing is, right? it's not just the fact that they're obsessive and they can be addicted and mm -hmm. that, yeah, man, that helps, don't get me wrong, because mm. that'll help with the mat time. Mm. But it's the way they approach it. It's the problem solving. Yeah, it's it's the way they they approach it in this kind of this this almost like if and then feedback style loop. If yeah, this and this, then this, then they feed back. Try again. It's change a mental map, right? Building yeah. a 
Have you, have you, I mean, probably this is real elementary level stuff, but I read uh, Darren Brown's book a while ago. Oh, he's just a magician though. He's like, he's like a wizard basically. Yeah, but you know, he, he's w- a wizard. The book he explains how no, to do this and no, how he's to actually do that. Just a wizard. I mean, it, no, even done, when he explains it's, it, it's, it's magic. It's he's pretty, actually, it's pretty wizard. No, he's just a wizard. But he was saying, um, <laughs> Like with you, you probably you know about this. He's, there's different ways to remember stuff. There's different kind of protocols. So yes, um, you know, one he was saying that if you just want to, re- you know, he says it like if you just want to remember twenty five things. Like yeah, I can't remember twenty five things, but well, you can you, you chunk them. You can put them to groups of threes. You can use like a memory palace. There's there's, a, there's yeah. lots of very very proven ways of doing this. But then he's but then he says he you can create which I which I think maybe is is actually would would feed into that jujitsu really sort of complex map yeah. that you create uh, memory palaces yeah memory palaces is such a uh, it's it, it's well known how, how, how yeah. that works nowadays yeah and he's like you know so so i could have one and it's got like 50 corridors mm. with 800 rooms on each corridor and mm. then each room's got all this furniture and each piece of you know even when i was reading it i was like this hurts my brain but i but i guess some people find actually yes that I can do that. That's quite easy. And so I'll this is, do that with my jiu-jitsu. Like, so this is like, what you'll find is when, when someone's been training for a long time, they have like, I'll, I use the term like framework or lattice work. You have like a framework. Okay. You have a framework of, 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 of kind of jiu-jitsu, a general framework, you know, positions, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So when someone shows you something, you'll, you'll be able to implement that into your game, like straight away. Cause it's like this. It's like, oh, it fits there. Brilliant. There yeah. we go. When you begin, you don't have that. Yeah. So again, for me, the key is to get them to have this established framework as fast as possible because then things relate, mm-hmm. okay? Like with a memory palace, the reason memory palace works so well is because they it's about creating connections. You're not just remembering that kind of, you know, the word or what it is. Yeah. You'll, 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 put the Im- you'll put an image to it and yeah. then you'll connect that image to a room. Yeah. And then that room will, will have a memory for you as well anyway because it's a room you previously knew. Yeah. So th- that strengthens the memory, because you have all of these connections. It's not just one word. Mm. It's one word that's now in a room that looks like this, and it's like you have more to it. And it, yeah. it, it creates more content to that. Yeah. So yeah. it's easier to recall. Yeah. There's, there is more content to it, and it makes it a lot easier to, to, to pull that out of memory. And it, that is the thing with memory. It's not the encoding is one thing, but it's re- retrieval is what makes memory strong. Right. Like it, 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 when you're trying to memorize stuff, it should be difficult when you recall it. Okay, when right. you're trying to learn. So if you just read through a page, you go, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. You know it, yeah? yeah. When you're trying to remember stuff, the, the key thing is reading through it, turning the page, and then trying to remember them. Right. It'd be difficult. But every the, the harder you're having to try and the, the, the stronger the memory is going to be, this is the thing. Right. And if you can recall it, it, it it's going to make it that, that connection stronger to make it easier to recall. Yeah. But people don't like to do it because it's difficult. <laughs> That's the thing. They like to read through it and have this kind of what's referred to as a familiarity effect. It's like, oh, I know these things. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a familiarity effect. Flip it over, do it. So is, is, there su- is there something that you can incorporate into your training which would um, allow you to, to take advantage of yes. that? Yes. Which is? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you that. You can buy the forthcoming DVD. No. <laughs> so there is um, so something called space repetition where there are optimal. If you if you get out flashcards and you have like flashcards you need to remember, there'll be the picture on the back and you there's a word on the front and you, you've got to remember what 
it kind of recalls what, what it kind of is linked to. Right. Yeah. Once you get it right, once you get it right, you put it to the back of the deck. Okay. Right. The way space repetition works is you can get programs that will do this for you. It will test you on something. If you get it right, it will put it back and then it'll maybe test you two weeks later. You right. get it right. It'll put it back maybe four weeks later. Right. Maybe eight weeks later. So it, it will, when you get them right, it will slight, make it slightly, slightly longer. It'll space yeah, out yeah. that repetition. Yeah. So this is something I've been trying to figure out how to use it with jujitsu. Right. Because again, this is just knowledge though. This is just memory. This is not skill. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is, you know, knowing that information is one thing, but again, being good at jujitsu is being able to apply it yeah. in, in a realistic setting. So, yeah. but I'm, I, I have like, so on the, the the website I have, I have something called grapplingsystems.com that I've had for a while now with all my videos and everything on. I've started breaking it down into courses and I've started looking at using the quizzes. And I'm kind of playing about with that now. So I'm I'm with the beginners when I when I get it up and running, it will be I identifying positions. Really, really simple. For right. us it'll be like three different positions or four different positions, which one's side control there. Right. And I'm looking at getting that quiz and doing that kind of stuff and then putting it into a deck and using space repetition with it mm-hmm. and with more advanced kind of stuff as well, positions mm-hmm. and things. However, I mean, it'll be clever, but I still don't know if that will apply to making the better person better at jiu-jitsu. Mm. It'll make them better at recognizing what the position looks like and, and recalling it. And, but I don't know if that applies to being good at jiu-jitsu. Like, I mean, I could bullshit it and make people believe that, but yeah. like, I, I, you know, I mean, what it I sounds used like to it do, will make people better. It does. But, I don't know if it will. But, but like you say, it's it's connecting it's connecting the the mental model to the yeah. physical model, right? Yeah. So what I used to do when I when I was because I, I did kung fu when I was younger, and when I had more energy and could be bothered more. But um, what I used to do after pretty much every class, I just had like a big notebook and I just yeah. used to go home and draw little stick men of what we learned. <laughs> yeah. Like this guy, he steps forward with his right. You yeah. move here. Your hand goes here. Whatever. Um, a bit like what you're, they tell yeah. you to do at school, right? Go home and do your homework. Your yeah. homework is, right, we did this lesson. You go and read again what kind of another version of what we did and then write your own version of that and then hopefully it kind of goes in. Yeah. So so I guess that that kind of, um, what's it called with the deck? Space repetition. Space repetition. So, with, like, so what, with that, so I used to do it all the time as well. I have like loads and loads of notebooks filled with like, what happened in each class. Like weirdly, like I found one the other week um, and it had, I went and I went as a blue belt, I went to San Diego for a bit and I did a private with Saulo, which uh-huh. was, it cost a lot of money. It was an obscene amount of money, but I wrote down the private, <laughs> I was reading through that. And weirdly enough, it's like, it was, it was odd at the time. Um, I found I found it from when I went to Mill Hill and I found all my first classes from Mill Hill. And I, I have written down my first class with Nick. Right. So what I did, all the class, and like, which is it was weird as fuck at the time. So I, I have like a review or like a, a a layout of the class and what we learned. My very fucking first class with Nick Brooks. Amazing. Which is like it's weird. I probably I might post it. Yeah, you should like, post it. My handwriting is horrific. But that's even better. So I try and get my students to do this. Yeah. Now, what you can do with this, you could, you can make this a little bit better as well. When you've done the class, some people go and they write it down straight away. Don't do that. Give it time. Right. Because this this is what I'm talking about with the the effortful retrieval. Give it a few hours, maybe three or four hours, then try and do it. Right. And sit there and try and think, try and visualize, go through that class, what happened, this, and then try and write everything you possibly can about that class. Mm. It will be harder. If you do it straight out of the class, it'll be really easy. Mm. Now, if it's really easy, anything's easy that's not really effective. This is the thing. Yeah. This is the thing you've got to get used to. It's got yeah. to be difficult. Yeah. So the longer you leave it, the memories will decay a little bit more. 
Okay, there will be this natural decay of memory. Mm-hmm. And the retrieve will be harder. However, it will be way, way more fruitful. It will make the memory stronger. It yeah. will make that retrieval process more efficient. Because memory is not about encoding. It's about how efficiently can you... Because we arguably, okay, one of the theories is we don't... We have everything stored in memory. This yeah. is one of the theories. Yeah. Everything we've done, everything we have, we have everything stored in memory. We have, imagine we have perfect encoding. Mm-hmm. But if the retrieval is bad, it's irrelevant. Yeah. So there is a theory that could say, you know, there's obviously going to be neural correlates for it. There's certain areas of the brain where everything's there. It's like a tape, like a, a video. Yeah. It's all stored. Yeah. But your ability to recall that is your memory. Yeah. Now, if you have poor recall, you have poor retrieval process, like that's really where the memory is. Mm. That's really how good your memory is. How good can you retrieve things from your memory? Again, it's, it's a difficult thing to prove. Obviously, it's a little bit conceptual and, and you know, ideas of consciousness and stuff as well. But so with with that, delay delayed recall okay mm-hmm. so give it three or four hours five hours yeah. maybe train and then the next morning maybe do it yeah okay but then obviously sleep and memory is another thing as well <laughs> sleep is usually where you consolidate memory so so, so you should do it before you sleep before you sleep yeah. okay um but there should be a gap and then would you say to to kind of um to try to anchor that back to a physical uh, learning, you should then get on the mat and try to do the stuff that you wrote yeah. down and just to try to fix it in the physical Absolutely. space as well as the mental space. Well, this space. is this is the thing. There's that, that mental and then that like applying it to that kind of action. So absolutely, yeah, that, that's the thing. Mm. The, these are all kind of theoretical things. It's, it's, I, I can't say these are 100% going to help. They're going to help with your memory for recalling techniques and things, which is great. Mm. But we've, we've established that that's one thing and the actual application and skill is another. Mm. That's, mm. that's motor skill, that's yeah. motor learning. We're talking like a cognitive side of it. Yes. So that's, that's one thing. That, the cognitive side and the knowledge side allows you to more efficiently develop a motor skill mm-hmm. because again it will it will kind of like it will move you away from things that we kind of know don't work so it kind of like it, it basically makes the trial and error more efficient because yeah. you're not randomly doing it. like if you see a white belt just continuously trying to get something to work and you know for a fact it's just ridiculous yeah and it's never going to work it never has worked that's when you go, okay, don't do that. <laughs> or, or even worse, if it works once and then they're convinced. Yeah, false right. positives, man. False positives are <laughs> is the, worst, the bane right? of my existence. False positives. I, but, but I caught him with it. I, but you'll never get, do it. Get it. You'll man. never get it. it again. I had it today um, with a guy that came to the gym. Um, he's a good, decent guy, decent leg locks. Um, but he, his guys, everybody trains with taps early. Right. So really nice entries, really, you know, the heel hook position was nice. I mean, can't finish it. Looking at me, he's trying to finish it. And I'm like, he's confused as to why not tapping. It's like, you're not, you're not bridging your hips. You're not trying to finish it. Yeah. Because he never had to. Yeah. Because everyone taps early. Yeah. And that false positive is like, okay, well, what, what I'm doing is good. Mm. He's never had to go further with it. Yeah. And same with, um, again, going back to head and arm, like look at like a Dars, Anaconda, stuff like this. Mm. The amount of times somebody's tapped because they feel like their neck is going to break. Mm. Now that's a tap. So I thought you were going to say you shouldn't tap until your neck cracks. No, 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 no. You have to. No, 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 have to. Competition, you can do it how you want. Training, man, if, if someone, if I'm my neck's going to break, I'm going to, I'm going to tap. Yeah. But I'm not going to give feedback. Yeah. Like this is another thing. I'm, I'm so hot with my guys. Even right in the beginners class, I'm like, look, we were saying about that kind of internal feedback. If I have a black belt using a dash choke on a brand new white belt, 
okay? And then the brand new whiteboard tabs. They have information there that they can give that black belt that that black belt doesn't have and I don't have. Right. Okay? Because the black belt, it may have felt like he was on the artery. Uh -huh. Me watching, oh, it looks like it's on the artery. Yeah. It may have been on the side of the neck. It may have been cranking and the person tapped because it hurt. Yeah. So then you've got the issue of the hierarchical structure. Mm -hmm. That white belt does not want to tell that black belt mm -hmm. that they tap because because then they're going to be like, oh, whatever you did. Yeah, so yeah, this yeah. is the thing. This idea of giving and receiving feedback is massively important. Right. So I make it quite clear with stuff like that, anytime you finish on the neck, mm -hmm. if you tap because you felt your teeth were going to break, your, you know, your, your, your neck was hurt, and the goal was to strangle the person, yeah. give them feedback. Yeah. Okay. Now you can crank and there can still be an underlying strangulation. This is where it can, you know, you may yeah. have tapped from yeah. the crank, but there may have been underlying strangulation. Yeah. But there's other times where it is, it is 100% crank. Yeah. And the person thinks they're strangling you. Now you tap, they move on. They're like, shit, my, my dash checks were well good. Yeah. They go into a competition. They go up against the Polish guy. He's not going to tap. <laughs> like, <laughs> Big he's like, oh, it's not, but what, it always works. It always works. Yeah, because people are scared yeah, of you in the gym yeah. and they tap because you're going to break the neck. This guy doesn't give a fuck. Like, don't let him out. Don't, no, when he gets out, he's going to kill you as well. Yeah. So if you can't put him out, he's going to murder you. Yeah, like yeah, you yeah. should have learned to put pressure on the artery. Yeah. So that that's super, super important. Right. That's super important. So you need you need to be able to develop an environment where feedback is, is acceptable. So you should actually, even if that's kind of not your club, you should just actively ask your people that you train with, hey, was I, that all? I, 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 I always do. I always yeah. do. And I, I, I'm, I've developed, like, I, can, I have a better idea now because I've, I've done it so much but I'm still not right all the time mm. I'd still be like was that on and like it was a little bit cranky I was like fuck yeah like okay well now I know it's cranky so I can change it this time and yeah. maybe do this yeah, and, yeah, yeah. but it's that it, it's that freedom to give feedback yeah. and not have the guy go shut the fuck up you're a white belt yeah you don't, what the fuck, I'm a black belt how dare you say that to me yeah yeah like I, I don't care if you're a black belt that white belt knows something you don't fucking know yeah. and it can help you yeah like it's developing the environment within the club as well. Cause that's, yeah. that's another thing about getting good quickly. Like you can do everything optimally and, and everything you, you, if your training partners are shit, if the environment is shit, it's going to take a long time. Yeah. Cause you, you have to have training partners that are going to work with you yeah, yeah, and yeah. training partners that are the more advanced guys when they, you're working these positional rounds. If you're working on a, a certain thing, they can stop you doing it every time or they can make it to like, they have to learn to, manage that difficulty yeah. to benefit you because yeah. sometimes you're training for someone else you, you, yeah, as yeah, well yeah, yeah. but you don't want to make it too easy and you don't want to make it impossible so you have to learn to to, to manage and, and and make it difficult so they get sometimes they get it sometimes they don't yeah. I think there's like an optimal number or something apparently like you should be able to get it like 70% of the time or something like that right. I, I don't right. necessarily think that's right but this is what you'll, you'll, you'll roll with certain people and like elite level guys and you'll watch them roll and they will be able to, to mimic the level and intensity of anyone they roll with. Yeah. They won't just fuck everyone up. They won't get beaten up by everyone, but they will make every role competitive yeah. and they will make every, cause they have that ability to, to kind of work that level of difficulty. Yeah. And as a, as a, as a coach, but as a, as a student, as a, a training partner, like that's really important to understand. Yeah. And this is another thing that all of this stuff is, is in the beginners, of course. It isn't just me teaching techniques and stuff. I go over this stuff with them all the time. We talk about feedback all the time. We talk about, again, how to, 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 to try and get the best out of the train, like limit the, the difficulty, make it hard, make it difficult, make it easier sometimes. If you're doing that and the person's not getting it at all, mm. 
just make it a little bit easier. Yeah. If you're doing it with someone and you're so much better than them, it's just working every single time. You change the constraints slightly. Make it a little bit harder for yourself. Put yeah. yourself a bit further back. Yeah. Just because I've set these constraints, it doesn't mean they're perfect for you. If you're finding it too easy and there's no there's no resistance at all and there's no failure, mm. you have to have failure in that. Mm. Mm. Modify it. Make it difficult for yourself. Yeah. Change it. Give them a better grip. Make your position slightly worse. So you're then getting failure and you can work on that and improve that. Yeah. But you yeah. have to know that as a student. Yeah, I think it's a little bit like... Um, you know, I always wanted to be good at doing wheelies and I was always horrible at doing wheelies on, on bicycles. I can make the front come up and then it goes down. How far could you do? Not far. Oh, I tried like I mean, I, I see these kids ones. now. Oh, it's insane, isn't it? Well, down the, road, down the road, mobile phone and a Slurpee and a cigarette. I'm a, yeah, I'm do it myself like, and I was like, I, I used to, I spent hours trying to do it and I like, I got to the point where I got maybe five or six metres. I was like, this is amazing. But yeah, nowadays, your never, kids, no hands. But but that's it's that thing of of um, understanding the balance point, right? Of not too hard, yep. not too easy. I'm just on that limit where if I go five percent that way, it's too, it doesn't yep. work. If I go five percent this way, it's it, I'm not learning anything because yep. it's too easy. It's that 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 in itself is that's, a a skill. That's right? where that's where improvement is. That's where progress is. Yeah, and that's that's difficult because as as a as a as a coach. That's hard to do. That yeah. It is hard to optimise the level of difficulty for every student in every every program. Yeah. This is why it has to be a collaborative thing. I have to have my my students, my senior students, my my, my coaches. They have to know this. So everyone works together yeah. in that sense because that's such an important thing. That that difficulty. Mm. And again, anything. If, if like we're saying with the the record, if it's too easy, then it's probably it's not fucking helping your memory. Mm. This is too easy. It's too fresh in your mind. Like mm, it's not mm, an effortful mm. recall. Yeah. So you've got to make it harder for yourself. Yeah. Like it's the same with everything. You've got to make it slightly harder. The harder it is, the more improvement there's going to be. However, it's a balance because sometimes it can be too hard and then it's pointless. Yeah. The yeah guy because goes you don't 100%. get the feedback of actually getting the technique. Absolutely. The right? guy goes 100%, doesn't let you do any of it. Yeah. You'll have gone with guys like, when we do that kind of passage or anything, you'll have had people who just won't need a technique. So like you're trying to learn it, this won't let you do it. It's like, well, this is fucking pointless. Yeah because you're not letting me do it. Yeah. You've got to allow me to do it. Then maybe put a bit of, you know, a bit of resistance in it and a bit of uh, a bit of kind of tension, but just enough to make it fail a little bit more so I can correct it and go again and go again yeah. and go again. Yeah. But that's something that, like, I, I can't do that for everybody. Yeah. I, have I mean, to, you need... I have to try and get the idea across. You need good uh, training partners, right? This is the point. Like, it, it's not... It. This is what, what I'm saying again. It isn't about this one isn't it shouldn't be teacher centered mm. it, it's student centered it's mm -hmm. about like i'm as good as the people that i have on that mat because they they everyone learns from everyone on that mat as well mm. like i'm i may still be the primary information giver i don't in some circles i don't know if i fucking am to be quite i think other people are giving more information than me and because it's relevant and it's more than i know i just shut the fuck up and i listen yeah. so it's like that's the thing yeah but it's everyone has those different kind of levels and it's 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 working as that group it's yeah. it's a collective kind of um collective uh group of kind of brains together um that's kind of what it has to be but it has people have to understand how to help other people get better yeah because as i say you can try you can have everything right and you can optimize everything and you can understand this and you can be trying to train like this if your coach your club the people you're training with don't there's no point it's yeah so I, I suppose you know apart from okay i'm going to move clubs or i'm going to do this or that or, or, or the other 
just, just I'm not saying this by the way to get people to move closer. Like, I'm not, no, no, no. I'm not but, saying like everyone's an idiot. I, I mean, like, it, this is what we do, but like, oh, fuck, I don't know if it's right. Like, I could be completely fucking wrong. In the two years' time, I could be gone back to the other way and I could be doing it differently. I might be wrong. Yeah, but but to, to, to sort of um, just to sum up like what, what you can do yourself. Yeah. You could do the, um, the the recall stuff where you go home, you wait a few hours, yep. you note your classes down, and then you try maybe the next day or the next time you're on the mat yep. to, to re- refresh that stuff. Yep. And you try whenever you're um, kind of active drilling, rolling, that, that type of thing, to, to, to always find that balance point, mm. even if you don't need to, so that you can kind of learn where that, that sort yep. of edge is to... With, to, your, to with, your, with your sparring and stuff as well, like you're going to have like, I think it was, um, I think Frank, you know, Frank Shamrock, Ken mm-hmm. Shamrock's adopted brother, mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. Like, USC legend, Frank Shamrock. But he had a term that was um, plus minus equals when it came to training. And your right. training, you need people you're way better than. Right. Yeah, you need yeah. people who are on your level and it's going to be tough yeah. and you need people who are going to kick the shit out of you. Yeah. Because they are three different types of training. Yeah. That's the thing. They're going to provide three different types of training and you are going to develop in different ways. Yeah. Now, if you just train with people that are way better than you, you'll develop in a certain way, but that you will not be getting other stuff. Mm. Like you will not be allowing yourself to, de- to develop a wider skill set. Yeah. If you just have super competitive battles with somebody, again, it's, it's going to be difficult to develop. With beginners or, or not just beginners, but people that you're way better than that, than, like that's, I do a lot of drilling on people when I'm sparring, mm-hmm. whether they realise it or not. Yeah. I will be going and doing the same thing, I'll get to the same position, I'll yeah. work on the same sequence over and over and over again. And that's that's live kind of active drilling. Because yeah. they, they're sparring with me, <laughs> they're trying to beat me, yeah. and they're giving me realistic responses and I'm kind of drilling on them. Okay? But I also need to roll with kind of people lower than me in a coaching manner as well. Mm. So that's that's the other thing. But as a as a personal improvement, if your goal is just to personally improve, yeah, yeah, you have yeah. to you have to seek out these three different types of, of role. I mean, that's they're the all di- going to help you in other in certain ways. It's the it's, that's the difficult thing as well, though, in the beginning, especially mm. as someone who's lighter or someone who's older, or if you're a woman. Who who are you going to go in there and be Absolutely. better than? Like you you got to stick it out for twelve months Absolutely, before yeah. someone turns yeah. up that you're like great. Unless now I can practice. You have training partners who yes. understand how to yes. Like with with most people, I I, I most of my rolling is is in like coach mode, unfortunately, and it's rolling to improve certain what they need to improve. Yeah, everyone I everyone I have, all my guys, I know exactly the, the certain areas they're all going to improve on. Yeah, it's all different stuff. I know what he needs to, what she needs to improve on, what what. So when I roll, I will kind of engineer the role mm. to force them into those positions, and I'll give them set problems. And like, they don't they don't know I'm doing it, yeah. but it just so happens they do that, now. Well, yeah. <laughs> 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 if, yeah. If when you roll with me, you end, you keep ending up in a certain position, you need to spend some fucking time working on that position, basically. Yeah, it's yeah. my way of telling you you're shit at this. <laughs> right. Pay attention. Um, and like, then they'll solve it. They'll figure it out and be great. Yeah. And then I'll give them another problem. Yeah. And then I'll go from there. So the whole time I'm providing a I'm providing a difficulty in a certain area that I believe they need to work on. Mm-hmm. Like but it doesn't it helps me a bit but it doesn't help me massively in my, in my game but yeah. i learned so much stuff from kind of doing that as well yeah, like i spent yeah. so much time in defensive positions yeah and but as a coach you should have that's, training that's your job that's right absolutely to, you should have some of your training partners as well some of your students and and you know the, the coaches the assistant coaches they should be doing this stuff as well and 
they will do but where where we are like i see it all the time like just the higher grades will not just beat the shit out of the lower grades okay they will work on certain things and i'll see that they're working on their own game so they're almost like drilling something on them mm -hmm. but then i'll see they'll almost like they'll pass the person will pass their guard and i won't be like shit he's passed his guard I'll be like okay hang on a minute and then he'll get to another another, and then it'll be a position something that i kind of know they need to be working on yeah and that student that higher grade student will be manufacturing that role yeah to put them in that scenario to spend time trying to solve that problem yeah, they need to work on. Yeah, yeah. Like that's it. And that, yeah. but this isn't short term. This is, you, you need to develop students that can do that for you. Yeah. And, and be part of that kind of team. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a short term, as I say, the other thing as well is um, like, there is so much information out there. That's the thing. There is so much really, really good quality information out there now as well. So that you, you spending time looking at instructionals of various things is great. Um, but then it's, it's, you always just watch a little bit of an instructional, mm. take two or three things away go and almost like it's again, it's almost like experiments with it. Yeah. You go and you try, you try and work it. Cause again, the way they've taught it in the instructional, it may not work that way for you. Yeah. It may be slightly different because you may need to tweak it slightly, tweak it, maybe go back to the instructional and then, so you're kind of doing that as well. You'll be being, being potentially taught certain things in the class as well. Mm. Do that. Don't like, don't turn up be taught a technique and do your own shit because yeah. whether you feel that this technique is going to work for you or not like just you know be respectful in that sense because yeah. it's it, it, it's it's pretty fucking rude to, to do that yeah, <laughs> some yeah, of my yeah. guys will do it but yeah. i let them do it yeah. and i've told them to do it yeah but like with the sparring and stuff as well be be kind of like have like a side project as it were yeah away from what the main syllabus of the class is running on Okay. So you're trying to diversify and you're trying to work on areas. I would go on with something that you know you're shit at. Right. And I would research it. Because as I say, it's easy now because there's so much good content out there. Yeah, yeah. But it's then getting a few things coming in and then training those few things. Because mm. as I say, it's not, it is not an information thing anymore. We do not lack information. Yeah. We have too fucking much information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people are constantly wanting new shit. And that, that they're not able to apply the information they've already got. Mm. So that that's the issue I have as a coach. I have some people who are just constantly, oh, have you seen this, seen this, seen this? This is like, but you can't yeah, do this. You can't do that. Like you need to yeah. you need to work on, 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 on the information I've given you or the information you've already got. You're not applying that to develop the skill properly yet. Yeah. More information is not the fucking solution to this problem. Yeah. It's using the information, the knowledge you have in a more efficient way and a more efficient approach to training. Yeah. Like that's the issue. And again, yeah. the role of the coach is changing that. Mm. You are more, as a coach, you are more about designing representative kind of training protocols than you are just spoon feeding people information. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, it's a, it's a different, I, whether, you know, the pandemic and everyone doing all this online learning has changed it. I think it may have amplified it and kind of accelerated it. Yeah. But I think that's exactly what it did. I think it, it, it accelerated yeah. 10 years of stuff Absolutely. into two years. The gains now, in, in my opinion, like the, the gains are the big kind of gains are in training protocols and, types of training and how to train and, mm. and, and doing that and how and unfortunately no one really looks into this mm. no one researches this no one does their work into it no one you know looks at how to coach mm. they just teach the way they were taught and they go from there and yeah. it's but it's an it's an unregulated 
kind of environment, isn't it? Yeah. There's no teaching qualifications. There's no. So I think I, I, that's that's where I've gone with with what I've done. I spent the last two years, I've probably spent more time on understanding the motor learning and yeah. the, the the training protocols and the different types and the application of it from other sports as well. Yeah. Because it isn't in our bloody sport. That's the fucking problem. Especially with the ecological dynamics. There's, mm. I mentioned um, that uh, Cal, um, yeah. uh, the, the judoka guy in North yeah, Wales. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the only person I know applying it yeah. to, to a, a, a grappling art. So it's like I'm a lot of what I'm doing is like, right, fuck it. This looks like it might work. Let's try this. Yeah. There is no kind of path there there is yeah. people haven't done that i can't just go and look at a youtube video or, or, or get a dvd that shows me how to do this yeah like i'm trying to apply these these theories from other sports like i spend half my time like looking at hockey hockey and stuff applications of training in hockey it's like i have a book on on, on golf on the application of uh constraints led approach to golf and it's like golf is probably a good one right because it's so it, it's such a closed environment yeah yeah what we do is hard yeah. Because there's so much variance yeah. in it. Golf is good. Golf is good because it's a very, very narrow yeah. kind of sport. Yeah. And it's, yeah, you 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 have less of this kind of extraneous variables and yeah. this kind of ex external input. Like, because yeah. you're not going against any sport where you, there's someone else yeah. is a nightmare. Yeah. Because you, people are just unpredictable. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. that's the problem. If you have things like snooker, all this kind of stuff, this is doable. Yeah. Darts is a really, really support. Yeah. This is about as close a circuit as you can possibly get with darts. Like, because yeah. you don't even have the weather with darts. You're yeah. indoors. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's literally, yeah, you, 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 it's about you. It's about the dart. The dart's not going to change. Yeah. The board's not going to change. The yeah. distance is the same. What you're throwing, the dart, it's not going to, the properties are not going to change. Yeah. It's not going to behave in a different way to which it behaved before unless yeah. you throw it differently. Yeah. Now, you grab a person, you try and throw them every fucking time you grab them, they're probably going to behave slightly differently. Yeah. So you can't have a perfect, you can have a, you can touch, have a perfect throw in darts. Arguably you can have a perfect throw in yeah. darts. You cannot have a perfect telling Jiu Jitsu yeah. because it's too open. There's too much going on. So why are people trying to drill the perfect technique? <laughs> I think that's a, that's a brilliant place to bring it back to the, yeah. where we started from. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So, um, what what have you got going on in terms of social media and where can people find you? Nothing. Come and try no, nothing going on. You know me. Yeah, you have. You've got, what's your Instagram is um, Mr. Party Bear? I think it's just Party Bear BJJ. Party Bear my BJJ. My name is there. If you Google my name, it'll, it'll come up. Ed um, Ingemels. Ed Ingemels. Um, IOG is becoming a little bit more social media savvy. I hate it. I hate doing it. I hate posting on social media. I always feel really arrogant when I do it. But you need one of your one of your. Well, this is the thing. It's right? like, who's into like well, socials. Like, yeah, I have people pushing me. Like Justina's back now, and like she she does marketing and stuff, and she's yeah. just like, do this, do that. I'm like, I don't want to. Just just do this. Like, can you? I've got, I've got to have a meeting with like, her on Tuesday. This is very good about the podcast. She's very good. Yeah, I yeah. just if she tells me to do something, I don't even ask why. I just do just it. do it. I'm like, you know this. I don't know this. Yeah, You're yeah. the expert. Okay, yeah. sorry, Justina. Um, so. We come a little bit better with that, so but we we need a we need a club. We need a full time mat. Yeah. I'm battling for mat time with traditional martial artists, which is a, a nightmare. Yeah. So, so if anyone's got a mat and they're looking for some people to come and sweat all over it. Yeah, full time academy. Ed but yeah, Ingemals, we're, I, we're IOG Institute of Grappling on, on um on Instagram. Same on Facebook. Um there is a webpage. Um there will be I'm, I'm 
still toying with the idea of launching the the platform, the grappling systems platform that I have publicly. Yeah. My guys have access to it. There's a there's a ridiculous amount of content on it. Um, that may be something I do in the future when I feel I've got something worthwhile to yeah. stick out there. At the yeah. minute, I just I think there's a lot of the stuff I'm doing on that website. I think there's other people doing it probably better. Right. So I ain't going to stick it out. There's no point. Yeah. So, but in house, like I direct my guys a lot to that site. Um, I, if we, if I know we're working on something, I'll be like, look at this guy's just, so I'll almost prime people with technique before they get to the class, like yeah. a flipped classroom kind of, um, structure. So, yeah. yeah. Nice. So I'll put, I'll put, um, links for everything in the show notes. Sure. So you guys can, uh, can find Ed if you want him. And uh, as always, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you got something good from it. Thank you very much for coming in, Ed. I know you were a busy man. And hard to, I'll be the anti-social. Anti I was going to say hard to, hard to get a response from on the, Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, thank, <laughs> thank you very much for coming in and talking. And I hope you guys um, got something from this because, I mean, as you said at the beginning, most people are doing jujitsu because they want to get better. And hopefully mm. listening to this, you've got some... Uh, you got some some new stuff or refreshed stuff that you can uh, put into your your training week and uh, get better faster. So uh, if you enjoyed it, give us a, give us a good review, share the link with your friends, and uh, we we'll catch you next time. If you don't deserve my love, you won't get it. No credit. Me over once and regret it. Yeah, I said it. Feelings and emotions, I can shed it, re-edit. I'm running from my past, yeah, a legacy through the hell is. I'm running round my brain trying to find.